0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Werning, and joining me on the line, as always, is Mister Ethan Party Crasher Sacks. You've been drafting some red white over there, my friend. I don't know what happened, Ben. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I feel, I feel hoodwinked, as I'm sure do our listeners and, and fans of our our streams or our, our draft content in general. That. Somehow the the tides have shifted. Perhaps <laughs> the responsibility of becoming a father has <laughs> infected my drafting style as well, as I have been drafting two color decks in this format. And
0: you have many colored pips in your 17 lands draft log, sir. <laughs> yeah, we've got a Freaky Friday situation going on the past couple sets, but I, I can't stop drafting absolute nonsense. But I, I also can't stop winning with absolute yeah. nonsense. I am on a huge heater absolutely savaging the format. And I know you are as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that's about the only thing we have in common <laughs> in the format right now. I mean, I think we're largely in agreement with a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today, but then approaching them from two different angles. I'll give a sort of a little teaser. I, You know, I always shout out Ben and Ben, you're not you're going to get I'm going to try and temper the compliments with the criticisms of you today. But we're going <laughs> to start off with a big compliment, which is that Ben's just so good at like, synthesizing the format, right? I mean, I don't know if it's just the the teacher in you with the syllabus, but you're so good at just like, this is what it's about. And I wrote up the show notes uh, earlier this week. And then you got to them late last night. And I was looking at them this morning. And I was like, Oh, yeah, this is it. You wrote about it doesn't matter like how you're approaching the format. It just matters that you
0: understand what those implications are. And that was a huge light bulb for me. No, oh, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, I do feel like I understand the format. I, I just skipped forward to like week three or week four of the meta. I'm just I'm just ahead of the game with my, yeah, yeah. my three and four and five color nonsense decks. <laughs> well, I think, I, mean, I think those decks are, are really successful. And I think it's wrapped
1: up in a lot of what we're going to talk about in terms of power level, in terms of staying open, draft navigation, all that good stuff. So we have a ton of... To get to i mean it, it as as sort of feels like with this format we've already been podcasting this is now our fourth episode on this set if we go from previews to crash course to early access to now having access with everybody to the format for just under a week and even though you know i was away on vacation i was drafting up a storm on my laptop i'm on my phone i know you've been drafting a lot so we have a ton to chat about with our impressions of the set and like how we're gonna be approaching things in the next few weeks yeah absolutely let's get into it Well, first things first, a few housekeeping things to take care of. Let's chat about the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. The show, of course, will always be free, but we have some great perks over at the Patreon page, which I would normally you know, enumerate. I would normally wax poetic about the great things you get over the Patreon page, like access to the Discord, or access to the show a day early ad free if you want, or access to coaching sessions with us monthly. But I'm just going to let the incredible list of new patrons speak for itself. So Ben, I'm going to have you join me in welcoming to the fray this week, Adrian, Benjamin, Edward, Rogue, Joshua, PDX Pete, Mario, Glory, Amigia, Oosh, Cyrus. Scott. Austin. Eric. Alaric. Wesley. MK. Tyler. Jordan. David. ABC is Debaus. John. Slim. Elliot. Nicholas. Johan. Curtis. Will. Hunter. And Jeremiah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Haven't done this in a second, Ben. What do you have to say about this list? Holy patrons, Batman. <laughs> I mean, come on. If that doesn't tell you, these folks know what's up. You should too. And in preparation of getting access to the Discord for next week is the Wilds of Eldraine Arena open. Can you believe it? No, I cannot. I saw this <laughs> typed
0: in our show notes and I was like, whoa, can we slow down here a little bit, Wizards? I need yeah. a second to catch my breath, but it just moved. But new format came out. Middle of marching band season. I just need a second, but magic slows. For no person. Yeah, no breaks here, buddy. Show is also brought to you by Cool Stuff Inc., dot Inc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock, and you better believe that cool stuff is Wilds of Eldrain. You're gonna want to pick up a booster box of this set store in your closet for a later date. The gameplay has been incredible in Wilds of Eldrain. I think that's one of the things that have stood out to me the most is you know, drafts excellent, but I have really enjoyed playing some close games, and you're gonna want to save some of those boosties for some close games down the road. Whatever else you're getting over at CoolStuffInc.com, they've got it if it's gaming related. And please be sure to use checkout code LOL, all caps, to get 5% off anything in the store when you check out.
1: Okay, so we don't like to be wrong on this show. We don't like to <laughs> We don't like to admit when we're wrong on this show. It doesn't we, happen we do, often, to be fair. It doesn't happen often, but we're going to have a bit of a mea culpa corner here, Ben. What do we need to chat about from last
0: week? Well, the first thing is, I'm glad that we were wrong about this one because Red is great. And that was what we yeah. thought going in. And then it was like a pretty big mover down. And I think we just probably both had a weird experience in the early access drafts. And maybe people weren't trying as hard as they possibly could to build aggro decks in the early access thing, because I I think clearly aggro is here and red is very good. I think both of those things are true. And I also personally, the archetype power rankings for the first time ever were atrociously wrong. (laughs) And red, white is one of the bottom two archetypes. And it is one of the better archetypes in the format. Yeah,
1: red is great. Red, white is great. We're going to chat about that all in a bit. And aggro decks just in general, I think are great and here to stay. They're also stoppable, which is another like, it's a throwback to OGL drain. where one of the, the praises we sing for that format is that not only is, you know, it's all 10 color pairs, all five mono color decks, but also the spectrum of like aggro to control, to combo, to mill, to
0: there's so many things to do. And I think the same is true here, at least so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the cool thing is the format has to have good aggro decks. For the nonsense to feel good like that you actually did the thing right like you beat the bosses on the way Correct. there like and but the other thing that i feel about the aggro decks and i i i'm sure they are awesome right now according to the 17 lands data and stuff i feel very good when my opponent goes you know ginger brute or plays the stupid one one haster that dies into a rat on turn one like instantly i'm like okay great I know what the game plan is. Just don't die. Like, and Mm -hmm. they're very, I will say they're very good but they are very one dimensional for the most part, I would say.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's true. I had a nonsense deck. I posted this on Twitter. It was a deck that, that I at the end of the draft, I was like, well, this was a mess. And like, you know, thought about just dropping honestly, and played out the games and ended up going seven 2 and part of it was that I was against I think four of my wins were against red aggro decks. And I just had enough stabilization, enough interaction, enough life gain instead of a life gain or, you know, ability to curve out with on turn five, a three drop plus crack of food, that sort of thing, um, which the aggro decks, you know, they can struggle. If you turn the corner against those decks, they have a hard time pushing past. But
0: they also just sometimes slap you around. Like if you're first is until turn three, like sometimes the game's just
1: over. I was slapped around this morning when I was playing on mobile, <laughs> watching my son. I was like, well, I don't even know if I was on the play, if this would have been close. Um, so I thought... As just as to get Ben nice and (laughs) do you feel how cautious that was? (laughs) Just riled up this morning, this nice Sunday morning, that we would use the 17 lands game and hand win rate data for top commons as a framework for reevaluating or discussing the top commons rather than just, you know, week three of hey, we did the crash course, we talked about our top commons. We last week we reevaluated them and adjusted them after doing early access and pre release. And now I'd say, like, I, it's not a ton of shifts, but still some colors that I'm like, I'm not sure what's going on here. And some things that the data was giving me like a gut check on something. And so I, I threw a bunch of stuff in the show notes here uh, for that. And I also uh, want to get Ben nice and, you know, he were on video now, so he's going to get nice and red faced and hey, he's going to have a lot of interruptions for me. And I'm excited to, uh, to feel that. How do you feel about this buddy?
0: Boo! <laughs> <laughs> That's how I, now,
1: feel. I, I just want to frame this as like, this is it's not like it's it's what you do with the information but let's just frame this as like it's not like this is something to believe in or not these are the top I'm not saying these are the top <laughs> these are, you're telling me these are facts
0: I'm saying you're that like
1: presenting me with data
0: that is, <laughs> presenting factual. With
1: data that is factual that is factual that's actually occurring among 17 lands users and <laughs> and then and then we have the power to do with that information what we will Ben okay we can use it for good or for evil. What will you choose today? <laughs> Probably evil. <laughs> okay. Um. So where are you at in the, you know, we were talking about last week, hey, it's an Abzan format. The pendulum seems to have in the discourse swung back to it's a Jund format. And red and black do occupy nine of the top 10 commons by game and hand win rate uh, with hopeful vigil being the only non Rakdos card sneaking in. Where, where are you at with that in terms of color rankings?
0: I don't. Particularly care, which is a weird answer, but I think we're going to get into this later in the episode, and maybe we might as well get into it right now. Which yeah. is, I think what you value, like what you decide is the best, like changes a lot about what other things you have to value in the format. So I think if you think red is great, I think you're going to end up red a lot, and you're going to want the other colors that pair with red well, which to me are the best, I think, black and blue followed by and well, that's probably not even true. It's probably black and white. And then maybe blue reds just pairs well with everything, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, more than anything, red wants more red cards, I think, which lets you delay the decision for which other color you're going to pair with red. So I would buy like it makes sense to me that red and black are the top common slots, but calling it a Jun format or an Abzan format or whatever. I'm not so interested in that. But I will say I think what tripped us up maybe as far as like not declaring it a Jun format last week is that I will say about Abzan, if you play in the Abzan space, that's where you get the most enchantment synergies and the most role synergies and the most bargain synergies. Maybe nah, bargain's pretty equal opportunist, but certainly the most enchantment and the most role synergies in the Abzan colors, which is what I think you and I were pretty high on last week, which is why I think why we ended up there. Yeah. And I, I do think that's a fine way to approach the format. You probably shouldn't be planning to not draft red, but I think it's okay to want to steer into that Abzan enchantment space as well. Certainly just by raw power level or like straightforwardness, like the Junk cards are, are very good and are probably winning the most. I mean, I've already teased
1: this. You sort of are talking about this. I think this will be a good point to just let's, let's jump ahead in the show notes and chat briefly about how Synergy works and this idea of like everything is playable, but it just matters how you value certain cards and that's going to change what cards you think are good, right? We're already sort of teasing this of like, roles are going to pair with the enchantments which then all the roll tokens are going to fuel your bargain payoffs right and the red aggro stuff as it there's inherent synergy you know you have this great article for CFB and and it just we did an episode on the synergy theory you know the, one of the things that red excels at is it plays with all four colors well but it also plays really well with itself i think that was something we were missing that's a big mea culpa from last week cuz we were talking about the cards go in different decks not really it they all go in one deck, and that deck is a red deck. Yes,
0: that, yes. <laughs> which is super powerful, right? Also, yes. because that, that does let you, like we said earlier, delay the decision for which ultimate red color pair you want to end up in. And it also makes the red decks feel k- kind of samey or can. Like, there's kind of red creature aggro or red spells aggro, you know, if you're, you're blue-red as well. But, and then black-red is rats. Like, there's different tiny flavors, but ultimately it's red aggro or, I think, red spells paired with blue. So just to give some specific examples of how card values change here, I think I was really high on Princess Takes Flight last week and still pretty high on. I've come down slightly, but if you value Princess Takes Flight highly, it requires you to value bargain cards quite highly. Like you need to end up with six to eight ways to get rid of Princess Takes Flight, preferably closer to eight, because having it in your hand without a way to get rid of it or rebuy it with a stockpiling celebrant is kind of disastrous. Yeah, that was the other card I was going to shout out was I think it bumps up stockpiling
1: celebrant, even though stockpiling celebrant should be pretty high in your white pick order.
0: For sure. Or similarly, speaking of other white cards, valuing Cursed Courtier, which is the one one that comes with a cursed roll token that can then be knocked off by other roll tokens like valuing that or tangle span Lookout, the card that lets you draw a card when you put an aura on a creature. Both of those really want you to bump roll tokens way up in your pick order.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think something that you've been doing and I've been messing around a little bit, but like if you are valuing off-color kicker, you have to value fixing. And there is an abundance of fixing. We'll talk about Brave the Wilds later, but you know, Evolving Wilds exists and Edgewall Inn is incredible and all that stuff, but that makes the off-color adventure wow. It's even in the show notes. You got you got me. You <laughs> snuck it in there. Accepted you you. <laughs> you. you typed kicker and I just read it. Off-color adventure cards, those are all very powerful for the most part. There's maybe a couple that that aren't great, but the rest of them are great and you just get access to two very good spells plus then you get access to you know potentially getting past powerful cards and there are plenty of powerful cards to open or get past
0: right and i think that's why i've been ending up in these green monstrosity decks because i have been valuing card quality in the off color kicker cards so highly and then green is the way dollar in the swear jar (laughs) dollar in the swear jar (laughs) my god valuing the off color adventure cards so highly and I think green is the way to glue all of those cards together. And that's just kind of where my drafts have been ending up lately. But I also think if you don't draft that way, it's also fine to get deep into a single color, and then you're much more likely to end up into a normal two color pair. I love this point you have a little bit lower
1: down, make sure you have good reasons to value the things you are valuing. You know, I, I talk about this in coaching sessions sometimes, or when I'm reviewing drafts in the discord, and I, I talk about it like, why are you in this color, right? I'll see people like you're deep in black or whatever, and you end up in blue and your best blue card is like the third best blue common can't be the right second color for you to have drafted, but there's a larger point here, or, or, or maybe it's, it's more focused on wilds of Eldraine. I think in terms of valuing, not just a, a color or card rankings in a color, but valuing a, a game plan, I think, or a, a, path in terms of a a holistic path that you want to end up in. Can you speak a little bit more to this?
0: Yeah, I think similar to like the Jund versus Abzan, like let's let's say you split because I think this is a very clear split. Let's say you split the format into and I think there's more ways to dice up the format than just this. So let's say you split the format into only two things. You you chop the five colors up into Abzan, white, black and green or blue red, because I think that's a very clear delineation. Like sure. You want to start down, let's say you start green. You want to play in the Abzan space. Let's say you start red because it's tough to start blue. And I do still think despite blue being fine and very playable, it's tough to start blue and be heavy blue. So I think the most natural way to get into the red blue space is to start red. So you, you start taking red cards. And I do think red very naturally wants to pair with blue because red has so many good spells payoffs. So choosing which of those spaces you want to play in is going to lead to a lot of different card valuations. And if you're winning a lot with blue-red, you're going to think, well, red's the best color, obviously. But somebody else could be winning, just crushing by getting deep into black and playing in that Abzan space as well. And a lot of what's going to lead to success in the format, I think, is knowing how to play in all of the spaces. And like when it's right to go into which space because you open to this certain rare or this powerful uncommon plays really well in this space – And I think there's definitely way more than just those two. But those two are very obvious, I think, to illustrate the example. Yeah, I think that's great. I think also if you want to end up in more straightforward decks, the Jund Wedge is largely straightforward, right? So you get black, red rats, like very clear what you're supposed to do black, green, food, like just raw card quality, very clear what you're supposed to do. Red, green, I've liked a little bit less personally, like haven't been red, green yet. I've seen fine red, green decks on the opposite side of the table. And I know it's doing well, according to the data, because you made me open 17 lands last night at 1am to prepare for this format or this episode. (laughs) I made you do no such thing, sir. You did that of your own free will. And I do think red green is fairly straightforward as well. Like it seems to be gruel smash to me. Like you're trying to just curve out, play some removal, play some great rate creatures.
1: Yes, I think that's that's absolutely true.
0: So speaking of that jun space, like I think green beatdown is certainly a thing that green can do. It's not what I have loved from green. I've really valued the fixing from green, but something like red tooth genealogist, a lot of people were really high on the Lord's of limited discord. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. Like it's the two and a green two, three that makes a roll token when an ETB is attached to something else or Curse of the Fox, similarly to in a green for the fight spell and a roll token. Both of those cards want you to have a very good curve. Like both those cards do excel, I think, in red green, right? Because you're going to be on the beatdown plan. So valuing those makes it more likely that you're going to end up in that space or you have to be willing to end up in that space. I think if you're valuing those cards. I agree. All right, we're going to get back to just chatting about the colors and kind of what they give you. But before we do, let's take a quick ad break. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills, and your favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. That's why I've got to win 2K in next weekend's Arena Open. I can't afford a new phone plan otherwise. Well, Ethan, you're in luck, because there's one company out there that's giving you a much-needed break. It's Mint Mobile.
1: Oh, right! Mint Mobile is the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton,
0: with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. I'd say that's more of a bargain than paying five mana for Hamlet Glutton. <laughs> All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G
1: network. To get your new wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door
0: for free, go to mintmobile.com slash lol. That's mintmobile.com slash lol. Cut your wireless bill to fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash lol. All
1: right, Ben, you've avoided it for too long. We're going to talk about the data here, so we're going to look at. I just threw out. Let's let's check in on the top comments from each color and see where that lines up in terms of what the the mass users are doing and, and where we're at. So white, not much to chat about, except I do want to defend white's honor a little bit um, as I think it's being lumped in with blue currently. And that does not feel right to me. But white, I think largely in a similar spot as before. It's hopeful vigil, clear number one, cooped up. Shout out to you as having this in your top three uh, last week and me sort of pushing back against it. Cooped up is great. I'm on board. Um, that's the, the pacifism variant. And then stockpiling celebrant number three, the three mana three, two that can pick something up. And if you do, you scry to not a huge surprise here i want to chat about archon's glory at number four um this is coming in at number four in uh in the data and this is the single white trick creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn if you bargain it that creature gets flying and lifelink as well i like this card in theory but in practice i don't love i just never feel like i have a spot for this in my deck, like even in the red white aggro decks that I'm drafting, and maybe it's because the aggro decks I'm drafting are red white. It's hard to find room for something like this that doesn't impact celebration. Like you really want, and my experience with red white is that you really want your enhancements for your creatures to be permanents. You really value the rolls, the two for ones, so that you get those incidental celebration triggers as well before you attack. It's just hard for me to feel like I have room in my deck for Archon's Glory.
0: That's interesting. I'm going to table the Archon's Glory discussion for a second and just talk about Red White. Because I've played Red White once very successfully as well, and then played against Red White a fair amount. And I have felt that it largely doesn't care about celebration that much, like that it is rather than trying to celebrate. Certainly, like I think celebrate happens sometimes, but I haven't felt that like it rewards you for going hard after like finding things to make two permanents to trigger celebrate. It just seems like great red aggro to me with white as a complementary color to the great red aggro cards.
1: That hasn't been my experience. I'm going to say I may have only whatever we're all still and we will be largely working with small sample sizes individually through the lifetime of the format but I'm you know working on a small sample size but I had a banger three red white drafts in a row went like seven wins six wins seven wins um and they were not that one of them was actually largely basically mono white with three ashes and like a few other red cards my feeling is that I'm not going out of my way for like bad celebration cards. I'm not putting cards in my deck that are like the red three mana two, three, make a treasure. I'm not trying to like put weaker cards and certainly weaker cards like that that aren't good rates in terms of the stats that affect the board for my aggro deck. I'm not putting those kinds of cards in my deck to trigger celebration, but I am thinking about one of the things that's come up for me quite a bit is slumbering keep guard, which I've liked a lot in, in those white decks just because you want the one drops because um, that red tormenting voice variant that makes a roll token is just my love. Witches mark. Oh, I love that you gotta card You got to know so the name much. of the cards if you're going to love them, baby. I'm sorry, baby. It's it, I'm all flustered because I keep forgetting the name of this white card. Slumbering Keep Guard, the white one drop when enchantment ETBs, you scribe one and you can pay two and a white to pump it for every enchantment you control. Um, I've had instances where that's in my opener and I could cast it on one, but instead I wait so I can drop Ash on two and then go two drop Keep Guard on three. That that type of thing has come up for me. So I don't know. It's I have found, and certainly with Ash, because it's a permanent enhancement that Ash gets from the Celebration trigger, they're all like kind of incidental, but they're also quite powerful. You know, if you have two or three celebration things on the board and you're getting ash as a counter and and your other red two drop is getting plus one plus one and trample and then your three drop is giving something plus one plus one in menace that's a lot of bang for your
0: buck yeah for sure that's what i was gonna ask i haven't seen ash on the other side of the battlefield much i bet i bet ash changes the equation quite a bit yes i think so so back to archon's glory i i would maybe in red white. I don't I don't know enough to weigh in, but I would like to say I do think Archon's Glory is a good card. I think it says bargain on it, which is great. Like it's just another card for Princess Takes Flight. You know, that sort of stuff. It's another card for Cursed Courtier. Like there's a lot of powerful uncommons in its color that it works well with. And also just one mana plus two plus two blows out a lot of good cards. There's like cut in cut in that's damage based. The red deal two that's damage based really hoses curse of the werefox hard or the green fight spells i just think as a single mana trick what it gives you is quite strong yeah
1: i I agree with that and maybe i just need to start playing it and not getting in my head too much i think this is an instance of i think the data is kind of helping me out here a little bit but plus worth shouting out just checking it now this morning archon's glory is actually unseated Stockpiling Celebrant as number three in terms of uh, top commons by game and hand win rate over all users. That I will not stand for. <laughs> all right. I, I mean, you it exists. but That is true. Do with it what you will. I'm not saying you should take Archon's glory ahead of Celebrant. I do want to defend White a little bit. There's been a lot of it's a Jund format and therefore white and blue are terrible discourse that I've seen. I think white is pretty underrated slash underdrafted right now. I think it plays really well in the aggressive space, makes a ton of roll tokens, triggers celebration pretty easily. It has good enchantment synergies. It gets two removal spells with cooped up and light blades. Uh, I just think that white is well positioned. I think it's also a great like base color or support color in the Abzan enchantment control life. I think white's really good. And I don't think like, yes, maybe I think red might be better than it. And that's fine. And we missed on it last week. Um, But I'm not ready to then lump white as like a distant fourth or whatever.
0: Sure. Yeah, I I agree with that. I will say the knock against white. I think you're not you really don't want to be blue white. I do feel pretty strongly about that. And then like, green white and white black are okay like they're fine. They're not I like they're good. the top tier of decks. Yeah. I would say there's a slight smidge underneath the best decks. And then red white is obviously doing very well. All right, let's chat about blue
1: because I think blue is still largely elusive to me and what it's like doing well or or what it's trying to do. Um blue's top commons in this order are into the fake court. That's the Mull drifter, five mana, draw 3, make a 1/1 one, one fairy that can only block flyers. Spell stutter The one in a blue counter a thing unless they pay two plus one for every fair you control. And then Johan's stopgap. That's the three in a blue bounce a thing, draw a card, or bargain it for just one in a blue at sorcery speed. I will say that I had sort of felt this a little bit on the other side of the battlefield and then seeing it in in the data here that into the fake court being so high, not obviously loading up on them or drafting them highly, but I've been impressed by it. Draw three is a lot. I'm here for Lore in Revealed 2.0, baby. I, I think I think you should be. Um, and I think it's worth thinking about at the top of your curve. I think it's worth making sure that you certainly want to end up with at least one, I think, in your blue decks. And then I think that dictates how you're trying to build your blue decks as well, because you want to make sure you have room for this card in it. And that has led me to feel personally that spell stutter is top of the heap. I just drafted, maybe we're gonna get to this draft log later. Drafted a deck where I backdoored into blue black. And ended up with five copies of Spell Stutter. <laughs> that is an excessive amount. Card was great. <laughs> I, I, I was happy with all of them. Card played out really, really well.
0: What about Stopgap? Where are you at on, uh, on Stopgap these days? So this is the three and a blue sorcery speed, bounce a thing, and then draw a card. And it has mm-hmm. bargain to cast it for two mana. Stopgap is excellent. It says bargain on it. Like yep. That's one of the things blue gives you is just bargain everywhere if you yep. have cards that want to be bargained away. I think that's quite strong. I will say, regardless of what the data says, I cannot imagine spending a high pick on Into the Fae Court at this point ever. Like, I think you're going to end up with a copy. And personally, despite my love of Lorien Revealed, feel fine playing blue decks without a copy of Into the Fae Court currently. What has been impressive about it to you specifically? Is it just like the draw three? Like, do you care about the one one fairy? at all no not usually though you know if they have a roll token to put on it it's pretty
1: good which it's actually one of the interesting things so i wanted to chat about three cards that surprised me and then we can loop back to into the fake court so worth noting that both adventure creatures um obira's attendance and vantress transmuter the three four flyer for five and the three four vanilla for four respectively they're quite low as is snare master sprite that's the single blue one one flyer pay an additional two and etbs to tap something and keep it tapped blue doesn't make good rolls, right? Almost all of its roll tokens are cursed, which is certainly the worst of the roll tokens. And so it's really hard because Snare Master sprite gives you this tension of, hey, you want to be heavy blue so you can cast sprite on one, but then blue doesn't give you any follow-up on two to drop a roll token on it. That's like Like anti-synergy theory. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. That's really awkward. So it makes sense to me why like once I figured that out, and it's one of the, the things when we when we get to red, why red is so good is it makes the best roll tokens, right? It makes wicked roll tokens and young hero roll tokens, which I think are the best. And blue just doesn't get to do that.
0: Well, and I think we should shout out as well to with Vantress Transmuter, the one that makes a cursed roll token on adventure. A thing that I hadn't really put together with cursed roll tokens is you can use them well. In ways other than just shrinking your opponent's large creature. So you can, you know, if you've got a rat token attack, maybe your opponent blocks and then post combat, you put a cursed roll token on a creature to just actually factually kill it. It's almost like Mm -hmm. you bargained away a rat token, you know, to turn your to turn your cursed roll into uh, a removal spell. Also in blue red specifically, there's a lot of ways to deal one damage with red cards like Mm -hmm. flick a coin or the blue red frolicking otter thing that has the, Mm -hmm. the single red adventure those play very well with cursed roll tokens. I hadn't quite put that together yet. So I think there are maybe a little more creative ways to make use of the roll tokens. But again, you do have to do a bit more work to make the cursed rolls good. That makes sense. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think I think the uh, the lesson was Mercurial
1: Transformation, I want to say, from Strixhaven. That was a sort of play pattern as well. You could do something post-combat, play a, a, a learn spell, go get that lesson from the board, and then shrink your opponent's creature to a 1-1. Um, that was a nice play pattern. So my, my feeling is, these cards make sense to me and have helped clue me in. My top blue common personally is Spell Stutter.
0: You have some love for Ice Out. I do. I think if you filter the 17 lands data by top users, which again, I was doing last night at 1am wow. to for this show, Ice Out is number one. And I kind of had a feeling, you know, you talked about the data supporting your, your gut feelings. When I've played blue and when I've played against blue, it feels very difficult to play into open mana in this format, when you're Mm -hmm. not blue, like the non blue decks having to decide what to do into open blue mana is is tough, because so much of the best things you can do are setting up rectangles,
1: right, dropping, playing an adventure that affects a creature. And you're like, do I want to get blown out with this? (laughs) Or playing a roll token on something? Am I going to do this? Like, you really,
0: you're opening yourself up to get two for one in a lot of situations. Well, not only two for one, but Like making your good cards worse, right? Like the best cards require some setup. Like you have to have something happen before the big thing happens. And then if either of those two things get jarred up, you really are out of luck a lot of times. Like if the big thing that you try to set up gets countered, or if the smaller things that you need to set up the big thing get killed, it just puts you in a lot of spots where you don't have a way to make a winning decision. So my feeling is that if you're blue, you really want to be trying to play draw, go blue control, and I think blue pairs best with black and red, like blue, black control, blue, red control. Both those decks can just draw a card and say go a lot of the times, and it just makes your opponent's life miserable. And like you can also play blue, black fairies as well, where you're just like curving out tempo aggro control, like that style of deck. I've also been crazy impressed with that deck as well. I see you making yeah. a face over there, no?
1: Uh <laughs> No, my favorite question. I am much less on board with the blue, black tempo fairy's life than i am
0: about blue playing a a control role very well okay well i want to jump ahead slightly to a black card here which is barrow naughty that i have been amazingly impressed with have you felt that at all i have not felt that personally but i also want to
1: shout out so you're gonna you're gonna throw at me that Barrow Naughty, this is the one in a black 1-3 flyer. It has lifelink if you have another fairy in play, and you can pay two in a black to pump it, plus one, plus zero. Um, you're going to throw out to me that among top users on 17 lands,
0: this is the number two black common. I am going to throw out to you that, which I felt great about looking at the data at 115 last night. I was like, I, I had come way up on Barrow Naughty, and I was like, oh, other good people think this card's good, and are winning it's, with it. Th- it. This is all true. It, it, the one thing I want to
1: throw out, the caveat... Is that its games played is much smaller?
0: That just means there's only a few of us brilliant minds out there that and, truly and, understand. And, Barrow, and more room
1: for error. I don't <laughs> think the card is bad, but it being the second best black common is again like that's just not true. And well, sure. think yeah, yeah, yes, I agree. Sample size here is too small. <laughs> I, I agree, but. I do this think- is what people want. they they come to our show <laughs> specifically for us to pour over the 17 lands pages and with no, and with no qualifications, no qualification whatsoever. But
0: yeah, I will say I do think Naughty, if you're playing fairies, Barrowi is key to making it work because once you turn on lifelink, it just makes every deck's life miserable. Like aggro decks have a really hard time racing it and then bigger decks like you can just tempo them out with Flyers. I, I don't know. I, I have really been impressed by Barrow Noddy.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, we can chat about Black. Black is just like, it's the same as what we talked about last week, which is just that you can go so many commons deep, no matter what pick order list you're going off of, and be happy with cards. Currently, it's Candy Grapple number one. Rat out is number two right now.
0: That is insane to me. <laughs>
1: but like, it's it is a card that like, all black decks want a copy of
0: Rat Out, right? I could take or leave having a Rat Out.
1: Hopeless Nightmare, uh, number three. Surprised to see like, Sweet Tooth Witch, the three mana three two that makes a food. Number four. Minstrosity, the two mana three one when it dies, becomes a food. Uh, number five. that Conceited Witch and Voracious Vermin, those are, are currently still my picks as, as being fairly high- um, in the three drop slot, they're they're down the list there. Uh, what, number seven and eight looks like?
0: I think for me personally, I would have Conceited Witch behind Sweet Tooth Witch and Voracious Vermin because you have to pay the mana for the roll token. And like mm. something has to happen. You have to have a board set up, much like Red Tooth Genealogist. Like you have to build your deck in a certain way. Conceded, Conceited Witch to be good, which is fine. Like, and it is powerful when you build your deck that way. But Sweet Tooth Witch and Voracious Vermin both just give you the rectangle for free to to borrow from rectangle theory. And I think Sweet Tooth Witch in the data ahead of Voracious Vermin also makes sense to me because it just starts out as a 3-2, right? Voracious Vermin, higher ceiling, and certainly Uh maybe potentially in a better deck as Red Black. But the data is, (laughs) again, not qualified to talk about data. I ended up in the spot. But like, the data is always going to be telling you like, which cards are generically the best? Like, uh, certainly yeah, if you're they'll not have The filtering, lowest setup cost. Yes. Like, which cards do the thing? And Sweet Tooth Witch does that. It gives you a three, two, and it gives you a rectangle. Yeah.
1: No, I, I think that's a really great way to, to frame it in terms of all of those three drops that make an additional token, whether it's a rat, whether it's a food, whether it's a roll, um, and which ones require, like, give you the most board presence for the least amount of setup. That makes a ton of sense to me. Black is still. Excellent with every color. Extraordinarily deep. Very flexible.
0: Plays aggro or control. Like, what can't it do? Yeah, color's great. Moving on to another great color that, again, we owe a huge apology to. Red is excellent. Top commons here on 17 lands. Torch the Tower 1, cut in 2, flick a coin. The 2 and a red instant deal 1 damage draw card coming in at number 3. Also, yeah. feel, feel great about pegging cut in last week. Like, just being one of the top commons. I mean, let's chat for a second about young hero role tokens.
1: We were r- realizing this last week and I have, I'm just in love with the young hero roll token. My favorite thing is just putting this on a one drop. It's why I love that, uh, forget what it's called, the the recommission variant in white, just like loading up on one drops and getting a roll token on it early. It dies because it's a two, two, and then
0: get it back. And oof, this is going to grow to a two, two, a three, three, a four, four. So return triumphant is the card you're talking about. And I was pushing back on you last week have since played with it and come up on it but i have not played it are you playing it in red white aggro like you're forcing trades and then like bringing it back as a bigger mm-hmm. batter threat that's the play yeah. pattern
1: i, I don't want to play a ton of them but i'd like one or two copies depending on what my certainly what my ginger brute life is like but you know any of them it's great to to pair also with stockpiling celebrant or getting celebrant back celebrant picks something up you get the scry two and celebrant threatens to grow
0: as well it's it's quite synergistic. That's been my favorite is playing it in celebrant decks where you have like yeah. three or four celebrants and the synergy around celebrants been super mm-hmm. good there. But back to red young hero roles are incredible. Just uh, yeah, gi- plays super well with Gingerbrute, plays well with all of reds cards that want to attack by far the best role token. And one of the things that that screams
1: from red to me in the drafts is Mary Bards goes Like last pick consistently. It's so good. This is the two in a red, three, two. When it enters the battlefield, you can pay one. When you do, you put a young hero roll token attached to target creature you control. So it can go on itself. You don't need any setup. This card goes so late and just is, it's like, oh, this is a thing. It's a piece of cardboard. Plus it's making some other smaller creature a must deal with threat as well.
0: Yeah. Card is excellent. So if we're talking personal red commons, I think I'd still go torch a rat catcher training, not being in the data top. is very strange to me. I think I would put that number two. I would put cut in ahead of flick a coin, but flick a coin has been excellent. When you stick flick a coin, like nabbing an X one and drawing a card, making a treasure, it's very big blowout.
1: Yeah. I mean, red is just Playing really well in the rectangle life. I think we can talk about this right now. Like, why it works so well is it has cheap, impactful ways to interact, both at common and uncommon, great, cheap threats. It excels at Rectangle Theory. Adventures, makes rats, roll tokens, the best roll tokens as well. Treasures, all at common. And like the fact that those roll tokens are Young Hero and Wicked really gives it a bump. Like looking at just the outside in of the top three commons, edge wall Pack, the 300 3-3 Menace that makes a rat. Rat Catcher Trainee, the two mana 2 one first strike on your turn. Adventure three mana make two rats at instant speed. It just does so much. And then as we've been talking about, it doesn't matter what color pair you're putting that core of cards in. It's a red deck. And then you're just supporting it with whatever
0: other color you're getting powerful cards from. Yeah, I I, I cosign everything you're saying. I, I will say just personally for red, the one thing I haven't figured out for red yet that I think if you figure this out, please let me know and I certainly will make it even better Starting red feels a little dangerous to me in that I'm not quite sure how I want to pivot out of red yet. Like once I start down the red route, because it wants so much more of itself. Like once you get four red picks deep and you're like, oh, no, like red's not really flowing. I don't know what to do in that spot yet. Well, luckily,
1: what I would say to you is that I think one of two situations is going to happen there. If red is cut, something else will present itself as being quite open to you and you won't feel bad about scrapping those four or five early picks. But red is so deep that that situation is not going to come up very often, right? Like you really have to feel like there's, I don't know, three, four other red drafters at the table, probably three, like half the table drafting red before you're like, I got to tap out and I'll do something else. But then that something else should be pretty obvious to you, right? Like, you know, you're getting some ridiculous black or green or white, um, either signposts or great comments
0: late. Well, and I do think too, if if you view the format, we've talked about viewing the format in these different lenses, I think it's totally reasonable to view red as the best color in the format more than black. I th- certainly think you could have that take and it'd be right. And that's going to lead to you ending up in blue, red and red, black a lot, probably red, white too. green, red, green being the least likely of them. And honestly, that might be the best place to be right now. If everybody's on black is the scuttle. I've been pushed out of black a fair amount in the drafts I've done. I have not been pushed out of red yet, but I also haven't been I haven't made the leap of like, I want to start red and be red. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, no, for sure. And I think if you do that, like you're probably hoping to be blue red, like. Blue-red, one of the top decks in the format, certainly, I think.
1: I, I would it's personally also...
0: rather be blue-red than red-black right now. W- but you have red-white as the red deck you'd like to be the best, or no? No. I think if I had to rank the red decks, it would be blue-red one, red-white three, red-black two, red-green four, which is a very
1: odd order. Uh, Let me no, take that like, again. That's, that's an exact, <laughs> no, that's how you did it perfectly.
0: That's how we <laughs> rank things here. One, three, two, four. <laughs> so yeah, I want to be blue-red because I think, I, again, I've really liked the gameplay, in the format, and I think blue-red has a lot of interesting gameplay and a lot of versatile gameplay to it. And I think red-black and red-white are fairly one-dimensional, and, and maybe even red-green as well, that are like, I want to kill opponent. I think I'm just too stupid to build blue-red,
1: honestly. Like, <laughs> like not too stupid, but I think it's, there's so much, what, the thing you are, are, like, liking about it is the thing that scares me about it, is that <laughs> there's so much room for error in the draft. In the deck building and in the gameplay. Whereas, when, like, I feel so confident that I know what's going on with red, white, like <laughs> in the draft, in the deck building, and in the gameplay. And I think that deck feels a lot more straightforward, probably just because it is.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Um, the other thing I wanted to shout out about red is that Ginger Brute is an honorary additional red common, even though it plays well, I think, in any aggressive deck, but really good with Witch's Mark specifically, like getting to go Brute on one, witches Mark put a Wicked Roll token on it on two is so good. It actually, for how much of a, a clunker I think a lot of the bonus sheet is, the Enchanted Tail slot, I think red gets... Some pretty good uncommons, right? Dragon Mantle is just good in your heavy red decks. Draw a card, gives you some uh, sack fodder for bargain if you need it. Really threatening on evasive threats. Raid Bombardment I've gone off with as well. The thing that uh, if you attack with a creature uh, that's power two or less, your opponent loses a life and impact tremors. Whenever a, a creature enters the battlefield under your control, uh, an opponent loses a life like or deals a damage to them. I think both those enchantments are pretty
0: sweet build rounds. I would push back on impact tremors a bit. I, I do think raid bombardment is good and excellent in the, in the low power like rat token style or even like the red white low power celebrate decks. Impact tremors has a lot of tension with itself in that like it wants you to play it on turn two, but then you're not affecting the board on mm. turn two. I, when my aggro opponents play impact tremors on turn two, I'm like, great. Sign me yeah. up. Like, There's also ways to blow up enchantments. So it, I, I have not loved impact tremors. Do you want to talk about the fifth best card in the set? <laughs> sure. So this is Imitate's recruiter. Two uh-huh. red for a two two and ETBs. It gives all your creatures plus one, plus and haste. And it has an adventure four and a white make two, two, two night tokens. I'm
1: sorry, I misspoke. It's the fourth best
0: card in the set right now. <laughs> the fourth best card in the set. I mean, this card's very good. I like this card. It is wild to me that it would be that good. And I'm sure people are just going to like jam data in my direction regarding this card. But here's, here's what my journey was with this card. I liked this card in like the preseason, like before we'd ever played with the cards, looked good to me. And then this week, once people started playing with the cards while I was streaming, everyone was like, Imidane's Recruiter, what a bomb. Love Imidane's Recruiter, card's so broken. Like, I just, this is where like the data thing, I don't this know. Is, I, but this is, is the, the whole difference here, and you're allowed to go off as much as you want. The whole
1: difference is, is that you streamed this week and I did not. <laughs> That's the difference here, is that I've just been like silently enjoying my journey through my card evaluations <laughs> and you
0: have not had that opportunity. Uh, no, I have not had that opportunity. So it is exhausting a little bit as a streamer that like, the world sees that this is high in the data and probably has good experiences with it. This is not remotely close, I think, to the fourth or fifth best card in the set. It certainly is like an excellent card in an excellent archetype that's doing well early, which is probably inflating its stats. And again, like,
1: well, I, I think what I want to shout out here is to take it back. Well, certainly take take our blood pressure down a little bit, but also to to take it back to the beginning point, the thing that I think you set up so well, which is like, anything is playable. The data is like not telling the whole story as it never can. Like these, just looking at raw stats or numbers or whatever can't tell you the whole story, but it's about like, what do you want to do? And if Imitate recruiter is what you want to do, like if aggro red decks or go wide decks like that are what you want to do. Yeah. Imidane recruiter is going to be your fourth best card in the set probably. But that is so far from what you Ben are currently doing in the format that this like, is laughable to you right now. Well, not that
0: it's laughable because the card is good. Just but like there's a bit of like we talk about the lords of limited echo chamber and like jokingly, all truth told, there is a 17 lands echo chamber that happens in the community. I I feel very strongly yeah. about that and I think this is a poster child for that card. But what's happening right now the real reason I'm smiling is like I've been digging at you about curiosity all week long and you are you just totally set me up here like hook in the mouth and now i'm gonna be like the face of imidane's recruiter being bad which i don't think is true it's a very good card and like everyone the rest of the format is gonna be talking to me about imidane's recruiter and i'm furious at you for it (laughs) don't think i don't see what's happening here
1: This is, what are we, 50 minutes in, Ben finally realizes
0: my master plan for episode 339. Oh, oh, no, I knew this was the master plan. (laughs) I'm doing this for the hashtag content, but I also truly believe what I'm saying. I know you do. Like, this card's great. It's not the fifth best card in the set or whatever it and again like you said it might be an aggro dex and if you want to steer down that direction you should pick this card super highly it also has the benefit too of being a card that is never bad right if you can possibly cast the adventure half of this like getting two two twos and a three two that gives your team haste and plus one plus oh is an excellent magic the gathering card let's
1: let's take it down a notch <laughs> and chat I'm like let's, foaming at the mouth let's chat about something that we can uh we can <laughs> agree on which is green hamlet glutton just killing it. We, we had it as the number one green common last week. Feel great about that. Um, it's just on the outside looking in of the top 10 commons overall. Um, I could definitely see that moving as well um, in the
0: data just because this card is busted. Yeah. And then leaping ambush in the number two slot, which <laughs> love the data.
1: That I feel less good about. But again, it's like it's a fraction of the games played. There are 67,000 games with Hamlet Glutton, there are 4,000 games <laughs>
0: with Leaping Ambush. It's it's, like, it's been a banger in those 4,000 games all Right. All um,
1: right. But in the uh, numbers that actually matter, Hollow Scavenger, number two, and Ferocious Werefox, number three. Again, just adventures, rectangles, 3-2 that makes a food, and the 4-3 with Trample that makes a monster roll token at instant speed. Gotten blown out by this continually.
0: Um, what do you think about Curse of the Werefox? Being so low right now. It's surprising to me. I think that card's really good. And I constantly find myself playing against green decks saying, please don't have curse. Please don't have curse. Please don't have curse. Like, I don't know. I still like Curse. You do have to value creatures and a curve with Curse of the Werefox, but I think if you do those things, it's a very good Magic the Gathering card. And we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Brave the Wilds, which I
1: have to imagine is a card that is This, your, this probably is your most drafted common right now, isn't it? Is it is
0: skyrocketing up the power rankings for me. I've loved Brave the Wilds. So this is the single green sorcery. It searches
1: for a basic land card. You reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. But if you bargain it, you can turn a
0: land you control into a 3-3. Yeah, card is excellent for a number of reasons. Certainly in the style of decks I've been drafting, it really is. uh, There's a bit of tension in that you have to put eight or nine green sources in your deck, preferably Mm -hmm. nine, I think, which this sort of has a a green and Lord of the Rings effect of. A lot of your green decks that are running Brave the Wilds end up running 14, 15 lands, but also have a pretty high curve. But it's been working out for me, I think, thanks to Lord of the Rings. I don't think I would have known how to build this style of green deck pre- pre-green in Lord of the Rings, but Brave the Wilds does so many things for you. It lets you search up basics. It says bargain on it, so it lets you pick all the cards like Princess Takes Flight and like up your bargain count for those style of cards. It's just an excellent glue card for any green deck that wants to splash or value off-color adventures. I think either as a YouTube video or as perhaps a whole episode or
1: a segment of an episode, I think this is a great format to revisit chatting about building complicated mana bases because i do think the fixing of it all the spells replacing lands the you know all that stuff because i've had the similar thing where i'm like hey i'm a base green deck but i'm splashing three colors or i'm splashing two colors and i have a secondary color but my mana base ends up being like eight four one one evolving wilds edge wall in even though like that color where i have four basics
0: of is really my secondary color. And you get up to like nine or 10 sources, but it only looks like you have Exactly. Four, yeah.
1: And so, but you have to really, and, and whether you can, you know, the first brave, the wilds, you shave a land, you do it for the second one. Like how much there's, so, there's a lot because The more you want Brave the Wilds to be a bargain thing, the more you want more lands because you're turning those lands into three threes. And so the exit, you know, there's a lot to think about with building mana bases in this format, but Brave the Wilds is excellent and especially excellent if you're drafting these kinds of green decks that Ben is.
0: Yeah, and I think if we zoom out and take a look at green as a color, I think it's super deep, similarly deep to black, but largely straightforward in the sense that like, You're just getting a lot of great rate cards like greens and commons are all excellent rates, very powerful. A lot of the commons similar, but different than blue. like, for example, blue, red as a deck, I think gives you a lot of room to outplay the opponent like green decks don't quite as much. It is like Mm. you are presenting your cards and your cards are better than the opponent's. Or they are not in some senses.
1: Yeah, I think that, that makes sense. I, I like I like a straightforward deck. I'm not a complicated
0: guy. Yeah. And I think it, it does pair best with black and white. And I think that's what led us to the Abzan stuff last week. We had moved way up on green, and green wants uh-huh. black and white cards around it, which is where I think it's just to shout out last week what happened with that and us missing on the Jun format stuff. I think that is why. And I think it is also, as I've been doing, excellent at Fixing your mana and letting you play all of the powerful cards you see in the draft, and just to kind of put an umbrella over the whole format. I, last week I was a little put off by the rares, but the uncommons are excellent, and the common removal is excellent. Like there, if you end up at the end of a draft with a subpar deck, I would venture to say you probably did something wrong in the draft. Like I have, I really enjoy formats where you can end up with good decks every draft, and I feel pretty strongly that this is a format like that.
1: And I do want to shout out the removal at common. Like, I, again, I, I promise, Ben, this is the last piece of data I'm going to put in your face, and then I'm going to back off, and hopefully we can be friends again after this. But the top five commons in order are Torch the Tower, single red, deal two, Candy Grapple, one in a black, minus three, minus three, Cut In, three in a red, deal four, Flick a Coin. Deal a damage, make a treasure, draw a card, rat out, single black, creature gets minus one, minus one. Now, take or leave the sort of, uh, you know, X1 hate of those last two, but this is removal is back in a big way here. I think being able to interact with what your opponent is doing is is paramount to your
0: success. Yeah, I I remember a really smart guy that said that last week. Hmm. Interesting. What is that? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Where's the, where are the compliments? That's true. That's true. I do owe you compliments. That's fair. I'm low on my compliment count. Um, Can I get a mea culpa or a, a revision of the archetype power ranking, sir?
0: Yeah, I think they're largely the same other than that I have red, white in the proper place. So green, black, red, black, blue, black, all in the top. Red, white was a huge miss on that. And blue, red, and then green multicolored decks. So five color pairs and then green multicolor in second, uh second tier, black, white, red, green, green, white. All fine decks, just I think a, a notch below those top tier. And then decks I'm hoping to avoid in tier three, blue, green, and blue, white. Yeah, I think so.
1: I, I'm still I still got hopes for blue-green, but I think it's probably closer to green XXXX than it is true blue
0: green on its own, Like casting mana value five or greater. Yeah. yeah, And a really sweet
1: uh, teamer, like full teamer adventures deck the other day with double uh, up the beanstalk, which is also such a fun card. Um, Definitely came close to decking myself multiple times in that run. But again, like, is that a blue green deck? No. Like how many times are we actually going to draft blue green in this format? Probably not very many.
0: Right. So we've kind of danced around staying open a little bit, like kind of talked about it, but I just want to like jam a couple examples in here before we get to a, a draft log roundtable. I think there's two different ways to stay open in the format. One is getting deep into one color and then letting the color you're going to pair with it come to you. And then there's also the version where you just take a lot of powerful cards of whatever colors and then use green to glue them all together, And which is what I've been doing more of? But I think either either place is a fine place to be, but I think if you're giving up power to get settled into a two-color archetype in pack one, like I'm willing to take a hit in power to get deeper into one color. I'm not willing to take a hit in power to settle into an archetype. Like maybe I've got some black cards that make rats and I see another red card that wants to play in a rat deck versus you know, a sweet tooth, witch or something like, I think you're just supposed to take the sweet tooth, witch and get deeper into black. And if rats is open, rats will come to you or but then also your sweet tooth, witch is going to be great in your blue black deck, your green black deck, your black, white deck, right? So I think the more versatile cards that let you stay in a color are more of a priority than trying to like, I don't think this is a format where you can particularly cut your lane. Like, say, I'm going to be the red, black, you know, rats drafter and like, f- like force an archetype or soft force. I don't, I don't think soft forcing is, is a great place to be in this format.
1: Unless it's for a, a, perhaps an underrated or like tier two archetype. Like maybe you could currently soft force. I don't know. I mean, certainly you could probably
0: soft force blue, green, maybe, but like, would you want to? Well, or you, know? you you probably can soft force red, but you just have to be aware of how you do it. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I think I th- you can do it. I just think it's better to read what's coming to you i I think like the rewards are there for identifying the open lane because there's so many ways to make cards good that like if you see what space like we've talked about splitting the format up into spaces like let's say again that that um abzan versus blue red as an example if you see that most of your pod is playing in the abzan space and you see that the blue red space is open like you get rewarded for that more than like soft forcing blue red every draft because the times that you have people up in your business playing in the blue red space, your deck gets significantly worse. So I think I would try to frame the format as more you get rewarded for finding what space is open in your pod rather than identifying an undervalued space in general and like soft forcing it, if that makes sense. And I I'd certainly love that style of drafting in other formats, not knocking that style of drafting. I just really value staying open here because the power level is there right that that's the point that's the difference is that you're gonna get
1: powerful stuff it's really hard for there not to be powerful things that will make their way to you
0: if you identify the open seat yes so for example uh, here's here's one that i think really illustrates it you've got maybe a couple rat cards in your first couple picks and you're you're black and you're faced with a pick of hyphae negotiator versus twisted sewer witch. So hyphae negotiator is three black black for the three five fairy that can bargain to drain three gain three, and twisted sewer witch is the rat build around the three four three black black, and it puts a wicked roll on each of your rats and creates a rat token. I think you're always supposed to take Haifei Negotiator in that spot because it's going to be excellent in your red, black rats deck, but also be excellent in any other black deck you go into versus like once you take that Twisted Sewer, which then you're kind of like pigeonholed into Well, like I got to draft rats and then it gets harder to pivot out of it if you feel like, oh, I am being cut, you know, I think. Yes, that really illustrates it there. What I'm trying to say.
1: That, that, that's where the, the sort of like hashtag delay the decision of it all starts started, and that's why I think it's a good concept to hammer home a lot of the time, is that thinking about picks in terms of what how what the opportunity cost is, not only in terms of does it let you play picks you've already made, but what is it implying for the future picks you're going to get to make? That's why getting deeper into a color, that idea of taking a hidden power level um, to get deeper into a color is okay, as Ben's talking about, because what it does is opens up paths for you in the future. And in a format like this, you're going to see really good cards that you may want to have the opportunity to take that if you get deep into two colors, you won't be able to, right? Like it, and it's just as simple as like if by pick 7, instead of taking your fourth black card, you take your third red card. Now you have three black cards and three red cards. Really hard to not think I'm red black right now. Whereas if you just slightly take a hidden power level to take the fourth black card. Now you've got a four, two, one split, you escape pack one being deep into black, have opportunities to go, I'm probably going to be black red. But if I see card XYZ, whatever, I can speculate on that and then lock it in from there.
0: Right. And I think in that specific example, maybe you're if you do end up black red, your final red black deck is a little less good. But the times when you pivot off of red, like your deck is way better. Anytime you pivot off of it.
1: Yeah. In a, in a way that is going to impact, I think, your win rate way more than the like, eh, my deck is uh, whatever, a 6.6 out of 10 instead of a 6.8 out of 10, you know?
0: Right. So here's a, another example. Pack one, pick three. You've already made two picks. You've got a red cap gutter dweller, which is an insane rare. Two red, red, three, three menace makes two Ugh. rats. And let's do sack a creature at the beginning of your upkeep to put a plus one, plus one counter on it and exile the top card of your library to let you play it. That turn card's great. And you also have a monstrous rage you're faced with a choice between cut in or gingerbread hunter, like gingerbread hunters, a way better card, way more powerful card, Jun format, you could say, like, I'm going to take the gingerbread hunter play in the Jun space. But I think cut in just is good enough. Like that's that's the type of spot where I'm willing to take a hit in power level to stay one color.
1: Yeah, oh, that I'm just like, I'm like, that's so tough, especially because gingerbread hunter gives you that flexibility where like, it's so unique in that, even in red, black, you could just play puny snack, like if you had to, you know, um, so it gives you flexibility in terms of it's not as like if this were the uh, again, I don't know names of any cards, but the five mana four, four trample in green um, that if you bargain it, you get to fight something when it comes into play. Oh, Agatha's champion or something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So if that's the option here, I think cut in is a lot clearer of a pick because it's like less flexible. Whereas Gingerbread Hunter, I'm like, well, it could could be red, green or red, red, black. But I agree. Just like you've got such strong reasons to be red. Just get deep into red and figure out the rest later.
0: Right. But I also think there's another style of staying open where you just like take you take the good cards that you see and you figure out how to put as many of them together in a cohesive deck that doesn't die to aggro. (laughs) It's possible. Totally agree.
1: All right. Shall we uh, shall we put all this this yammering to play in a round table?
0: Let's do it. I think we're gonna
1: see one of those style of drafts right here. That's true. So pack one pick one, a pretty clear pick, I would say. Um, And if you're following along on YouTube, we'll have the full pack. You can, of course, uh, check out the show notes where we'll have a link to the draft log. But uh, we're going to shortcut things here. Best non-rare in the pack is Witch's Vanity, I would say. So the one in a black saga. Destroy target creature and opponent controls with mana value two or less. That's chapter one. Chapter two makes a food. And chapter three puts a wicked roll token attached to target creature you control. Shout out to a couple of white removal spells as well. There's a cooped up at common and a grasp of fate at uncommon. And also a banger of a white rare, Archon of the Wild Rose, two white white for a 4-4 flyer, other creatures you control that are enchanted by auras you control have base power and toughness 4-4
0: and have flying. Yeah, that card's excellent windmill slam first pick.
1: Okay, great. Moving on to pack one, pick two. We actually have quite the pick that you are describing here, I would say. Even though we only have one white card in our pack, I think we're choosing between two cards, which is that the best card that is white and certainly the best common, I think, in the pack is cooped up. The one in a white aura, enchanted creature can't attack or block, and then you can pay two in a white to exile enchanted creature. And then in in my opinion, the best card overall in the pack is welcome to sweet tooth. This is the saga for one in a green chapter one, you make a one, one white human creature token chapter two, you make a food token. And chapter three, you put X plus one, plus one counters on target creature you control where X is one plus the number of foods
0: you control. Would you agree with that overall assessment of the texture of this pack? I do. And then this comes down to a decision of which style of drafting do you want to do? And how how much do you want to play Archon of the Wild Rose? For me, I really want to play Archon of the Wild Rose. And so I would take Cooped Up over Sweet Tooth and I would be wanting to get... Deeper into white here.
1: And I prescribe to the I just want to take the best cards, period. And and I'm also fine to draft these, you know, play these two cards together, be in green, white, whatever, be in that Abzan enchantment space. Um, but I think welcome to Sweet Tooth. I, I think one of the things we haven't chatted about, we sort of touched on this in terms of what do we want to do. One of the reasons I like the roll token so much and I like the aggro deck so much is that I think they they prey on or take advantage of having better two drops. Because two drops, I think, are simultaneously they're important, but there's not a ton of great ones. Mm-hmm. And so something like Welcome to Sweet Tooth as like just a banger of a two drop that also has synergy in enchantments, in food, etc. Like I just love this card
0: so much. So I, I, I took Welcome to Sweet Tooth here. Yeah, card's very good and cosign everything you're saying about premium two drops being being scarce.
1: Um, pack one pick three, we see a huge dip in overall power level. There's not a ton to like. Really in green or white, I would say the best card in those colors would be, I don't know, unassuming sage <laughs> one on a white for a two, two when ETBs, you can pay two. If you do, you put a sorcerer or a roll token attached to it. But like, who cares? Because like, th- there's just nothing to like really in this pack other than frolicking familiar, in my opinion, two and a blue uncommon for a 2-2 two, two flyer whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell it gets plus one plus one until end of turn and it's got an adventure blow off steam for single red instant deal one damage to any target
0: yeah I, I love your pick here what cosine frolicking familiar i just think this pick really illustrates the other style of drafting where you take the best cards and you figure out like a lane is going to open itself up to me eventually if i get enough good cards and I think it's tempting to take Unassuming Sage with Archon of the Wild Rose, right? Like it yeah. wants, Archon wants you to have roll tokens. Unassuming Sage can put a roll token on itself when it ETBs. Like those cards work well together. And you're just taking too big of a hit in power level there, I think, to to want to do that. You don't need to work to make Archon good. And if if white's open, Archon should be good without you doing any extra work, I don't think
1: the gap here is huge. Like frolicking familiar, probably B minus territory. Certainly I, would say, if you,
0: I would say B at yeah, least c- in blue red.
1: C- certainly in blue red, it's it's B. And unassuming sage is D plus, maybe C minus with archon. Like yeah, not great. So I love the frolicking familiar pick here. So we're we're all over the place. Pack one, pick four. Now have got a choice of uh, some removal spells. I would say again, best common. Um, and certainly pairs well with one of our colors is cooped up again. It's also a Kellen's light blades there, but certainly taking the first cooped up um, as a white removal spell. And then I thought this was an, a really interesting pick because at uncommon, there's a card that's very similar to cooped up and it's bitter chill. One in a blue for the aura. When it enters the battlefield, you tap enchanted creature enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controllers, untap step. And then when bitter chill is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you can pay one. If you do, you scry one, then draw a card.
0: Yeah, chill has been excellent. I have really enjoyed that in blue decks. It gives blue control decks a clean answer to like a Hamlet Glutton, which is something that would traditionally be tough for those decks if it slips through a counterspell. So yeah, I've really liked bitter chill.
1: And I thought, you know, do I think Archon is better than Frolicking Familiar? Yes. But I also give more weight. Like, I think this is an interesting um, illustration of Two ways that I'm weighting picks. One is that I'm weighting the picks that I've already made. Do I think Archon is better than Frolicking Familiar? Yes. I'm looking at the picks in this pack. Do I think Bitter Chill is better than Cooped Up? Yeah, but just ever so slightly, I would say. But I'm giving a little bit more weight, even though I think that the, the white card I've drafted is better than the blue card, I'm giving a little bit more weight to the card I've seen most recently. Like, I haven't really been shown. I mean, there was a cooped up pick two. But frolicking Familiar pick three is giving me some kind of an inkling of a signal. And so I'm going to slightly give a little bit more weight to the blue card in this pack, if that makes sense.
0: That's fair. Yeah. I think personally, I would land on cooped up here. You'd have over, your second
1: cooped up. I would right? have my
0: second cooped up over bitter chill because I really want to play Archon. But again, either way of drafting this draft is fine and going to lead you to a good deck.
1: Yeah. And I mean... It's, it's funny because I really like bop around and don't quite get to the deck that I end up in until pack two but I don't get to do that if I don't take this style of draft like next pick I'm on savior of the sleeping the two and a white two three with vigilance whenever an enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield you put a plus plus one counter on savior of the sleeping like fine not
0: great. Yeah, and I think we we would have bopped <laughs> differently on different packs. There's another card I want to shout out here, which is Splashy Spellcaster. Uh, three and a blue for a two-four. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a sorcerer roll token attached up to one other target creature you control. I'm curious, after steering into blue, why you didn't take Splashy Spellcaster here over Savior of the Sleeping, because I have I have really enjoyed Splashy Spellcaster. <laughs>
1: I have not enjoyed Spellcaster until I faced it this morning and was absolutely destroyed by it. I was thinking again in the way that I was thinking about the white, the single white combat trick. I've been thinking sort of that Splashy Spellcaster is is at odds with itself a little bit. There's tension of, yes, I now I'm saying I was thinking. Ben is aggressively shaking his head at me, um, but I was thinking that there was some tension in that. Okay, this is a four-man two-four, not a good stat line. This wants you to have bodies in play already. And, but then, which, you know, you can only make with creatures, right? This isn't, again, we're not, we don't have a mass floating around where you get to do double duty. You got to make, you got to put creatures in your deck and that's how you get creatures on board. And then you got to have instants and sorceries as well so that you get the roll token payoff so that you can put the rolls on the creatures. Just felt like there was tension. Not tension. No tension. Just good.
0: Well, yeah, because adventures exist too. And a lot of the adventures are spells. Plus creatures, also splashy spellcaster plays great with your Archon of the Wild Rose because it puts auras on
1: things. Oh, yeah, that's pretty sick. Maybe this was the one draft to try and be blue-white. That's what I was
0: thinking, like maybe blue-white. But I also think I would have ended up where you ended up, which is like you got deep into blue and black flowed in pack two. And then that lets you be blue-black and you you stayed open and drafted an insane blue-black deck. But mostly I think it's those interesting early first five picks with just how you plan to stay open and especially the third pick frolicking familiar versus not locking in on, you know, the two, two that can make a roll token because you have archon of the wild rose, you know?
1: Yeah. And the first black card that I take this draft is pack two pick two, I get past Lord Skitter sewer King, which is excellent. Three mana, three, three. Um, it makes a rat every beginning of combat for you. And then just go like that into candy grapple into voracious vermin into sweet tooth, which, and then I'm just like, Oh, this is now just the best Cards that I have, right? I just like this is the best color I'm in. And I don't have that opportunity. If I, you know, I mean, I I actually do have that opportunity if I'm you, right? You you probably end up in white black because you have Archon plus the two um cooped ups. And so you're deep into white, so you have the opportunity to get into black. I'm bopping around and don't lock in because I don't have anything good yet. And I'm I'm able to get into the black. But if you're doing something else besides those two styles, You're going to miss out on the power level that this seat
0: presents you. Yes. And I think that's where like back to the choosing to soft force something like as you go into the draft versus reading what's coming to you. I think there are a lot of seats where like if you can hang on and delay the decision for a while, you can really get rewarded for staying flexible. I agree. All right. Before we go, I just would like to say, please don't at me about data. Please, I'd, Please I'd look there, but i a Dan's recruiter and I, I am not knocking the data. If you love the data, like do you and do the data. I, this is not, I'm not personally attacking anyone's love of the data. That's my disclaimer. Do we need, do we need to get a new like Mountain
1: Dew style shirt? on t public that's do the data
0: <laughs> please no <laughs> please no but again like if you love the data if you love pouring over 17 lands not knocking any of that like i don't want to yuck anyone's yum it is just not for me
1: it was just a framing device and a way to just wake
0: ben up in the morning <laughs> <laughs> i'm awake baby <laughs> all right great place to wrap us up thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro natural music make sure you give it a listen thanks so much to coolstuffinc.com
1: for sponsoring this podcast if If you're heading over there for any and all purchases, please use code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. And more importantly, to get 5% off of anything that you purchase. You can check out all of our content on our website at lordsoflimited.com. There's a tier list. Look, maybe you don't want to pour over the 17 lands data. Ben's got a tier list for you over at our website. That's going to get you going. We've got merch over at T Public. We've got our Patreon reward tiers over there as well. We've got our episode backlogs. We've got our YouTube links. Anything Lords Limited related at lordsoflimited.com.
0: If you get any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, to everybody. See you later.
1: take a quick ad break and then what, you took so long i didn't know if you were gonna do it <laughs> i was thinking you'd normally do all the acting i know up. i wanted Did to you see the panic that came across my eyes i s- thought we could switch it up I was, I was getting ready
0: to i just took a beat okay <laughs> go for it all right we're gonna get back to the don't judge me